You are listening to the sermon podcast from St. Michael and All Angels Church in Savannah. We are an Episcopal congregation in the Diocese of Georgia, and you can find out more about us by visiting www.stmichaelsavannah.com. Pray. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change. Courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Amen. You may know that uh, that prayer is the serenity prayer, uh, and you may also be aware that virtually every 12-step program meeting in the world uh, starts with uh, the people there saying that prayer together. Um, now, uh, at the beginning of the meeting, though, it's, it's in the first person singular, God grant me the serenity. But lots of times, um, meetings will close with the we version of that prayer, uh, where we say it in, in second person. Lots of other meetings use the Lord's Prayer at the end, but some of them do close with the, with the serenity prayer. Um, we, we do that because for people in recovery, serenity is really important. Our sobriety depends upon us maintaining our serenity. And things that threaten our serenity are dangerous to us, and we try to avoid them at all costs. Now, I need you to know that um, when, when we talk about serenity, we're, we're not talking about, you know, sitting in the lotus position under a tree in a valley, humming quietly to ourselves in some sort of state of nirvana. That's not it. Uh, what serenity is, is being comfortable in your own skin. It's being at peace with yourself and with the world around you to the point that you don't let situations or circumstances or especially other people get under your skin and upset you. Um, in, in the program, we talk about learning to deal with life on life's terms instead of trying to deal with life on our own terms. That's really where our serenity comes from. Is something that I, I work hard at to maintain. And I got to tell you, uh, lots of times I still fall real short. <clears throat> For instance, last week, uh, I had to go to Jessup. Now, there's nothing about going to Jessup in particular that threatens my serenity. I, I, can, I can go there okay. Um, but I, I, I go through Brunswick because the, those roads that go from here, from Savannah, I don't like those roads down in Jessup. Ludowisi terrifies me. And I feel safer uh, just getting on 95. So I went down there uh, to talk with uh, a young woman who's going to be an intern at Columbia House this year about possibly coming to intern uh, at St. Michael's while she is in Savannah. Delightful young woman. Interview went great. Um, and I'm, I'm driving back. And Christine, it kind of it took longer than I thought. Uh, and Christine called me while I was on the road. And she said, I'm just checking in. I haven't heard from you. We'll make sure everything's okay. I said, it's fine. I'm on the way home. And she said, well, be careful because we got some kind of storm about to hit here. And this was the day after that really bad series of storms had come through. So that's kind of what, what I was expecting. Um, and she had driven through those coming back from Atlanta and got stuck on I-16 because everything got backed up. So in my infinite wisdom, I thought, ah. If there's going to be bad weather like there was yesterday, I'll just avoid I-16 and not get stuck in it. I'll get off on 204 instead. That will be better. 
I thought. Uh -huh. You know, right? So uh, I'm maybe a half a mile inside the interstate on 204 when I remember the construction at King George Boulevard and begin to regret my decision. Um, and then I reached the point where we saw the signs, right lane closed ahead. So I did what all the other courteous and thoughtful drivers do. I moved over to the left in preparation for the right lane uh, going away. And so then we come finally to that choke point where the lane actually closes. And here we are in our little line on the left, waiting for the red light in front of us to turn green. And you know what happened, right? A whole bunch of cars come up on the right. Even though they knew a long time ago that, that lane was going to close. But I have to admit that there have been times, maybe once or twice in my life, when I have been that driver in the right lane. And I, so I just thought, that's fine. I'm going to let the car next to me go in front of me because I am polite and courteous and I want to be serene. So I do. I very, I very sweetly let them in and I wave to them. And, um, but somewhere between me and the traffic light, one of those other drivers had some difficulty locating the long skinny pedal on the right and the light turned red and we didn't go anywhere. So the light turned red again. So now I have to sit through another cycle of traffic light. And here come more people in the right lane. So now there are two cars next to me uh, indicating their intention to cut me off and get in front of me. And what I found is that polite, courteous Kevin went right out the window. <laughs> and I start thinking, there's no way you are getting in front of me because I have sat through two traffic lights and you haven't waited at all. And I'm twisting the steering wheel cover. And I, are, are you with me? Yeah. Right? All thought of serenity has left. Um, but I have learned to ask myself a question at those moments. I don't always do it, but I know I'm supposed to. And the question that I ask myself is, what is the price of my serenity today? What's it worth to me today? So I had to ask myself, is the price of my serenity two cars pulling ahead of me? Am I willing to give it away for that? And I decided I really wanted it. So I sat there and I let them go. Still kind of fuming. Uh, but I let them go. And as I thought about that, uh, the rest of the drive home, I, I thought about it some more. I kind of started asking myself, well, what was I really upset about? Was it really the two car? Um, and, and the truth of the matter is, when I was uh, driving home, before I talked to Christine, I was on the phone with another colleague of mine, a good friend of mine. And we were talking about something else that we're trying to get worked out. And things were not going the way I wanted them to. And it irritated me. So by the time I got to that traffic light, I was already a little twisted up over something else that had nothing to do with those two drivers. And really, it didn't really have anything to do with my colleague either. What did I have to do with? I wasn't getting what I wanted. Things weren't going the way I thought that they should. See, the problem wasn't with either one of them. It was with me. So I, I tell you this uh, because I think this story, at least for me, casts some light on the gospel reading that we hear today, where uh, Jesus calls together 70 of his disciples. You know what a disciple is? What does the word disciple mean? 
Follower. Follower. I can always count on Murray. You have to give, you have got to give other people a chance to answer. Okay? And I, will, I will call on you when they fall short, as we know they will. Right? <laughs> a disciple is a follower, it's a student, it's somebody who literally follows their teacher around, listening, taking in whatever they have to say. But a follower also in the sense of they pattern their life after the life of their teacher. They follow in their footsteps in that way so that their life comes to look like their master's life. Right? That's what was going on with Jesus' disciples. They're following him. Well, at this moment, he calls 70 of his disciples, so not just the 12, but a whole bunch more, and he sends them out. Two by two. He says, go. Go out to all the towns, all the villages, and when you go there, if they welcome you, stay, hang out with them, eat, talk to them, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And if you go and they don't accept you, they turn you away, shake the dust off your feet, Adam, and then say, but the kingdom of God has come near to you. So at this point, Jesus' disciples go from being just disciples to also being apostles. Because what does apostle mean? What? Someone who is sent. That's right. Disciples are followers. Apostles are people who are sent. It's what we are called to be. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, right? We say we believe in, in Jesus. Followers who are sent to show the life that we have as a follower of Jesus. That, 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 that's the point. We're supposed to, to go out. And Jesus knows that this is not an easy task. He, he tells them, listen, the harvest out there is plentiful, but the laborers, those who are willing to do the work, they're, they're few. So pray that God will raise up more. And look, he says, I'm, I'm sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Jesus warned them ahead of time, this, this isn't going to be easy. This is kind of dangerous out there. We get that, right? We, we understand living in... <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> we understand living in dangerous times in a dangerous world. I don't know about y'all, but it is not unusual for us to go to bed at night and hear gunfire not too far away. The world is a dangerous place, but I think that our reaction to that very often as lambs um, in the midst of wolves is that we want to dress ourselves up in wolves' clothing to protect ourselves from it. That's not what Jesus tells us to do. Um, he is sending us out as lambs to live as his followers in the world. If I have one complaint against modern Christianity, and let, 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 I want to be clear about something before I go much further. I, I'm really not about to fuss at y'all uh, particularly. I'm, I'm actually really quite pleased with y'all. I think y'all do a pretty good job with this. Um, but if, if I have a complaint about modern Christianity, it's this. That we have turned the business of being followers of Jesus 
uh, into nothing more than the matter of our own personal salvation. Jesus is my personal Savior, and I'm going to be his follower so that when I die, I can go to heaven. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting that. There's nothing wrong with looking forward to that. But if that's all there is to it, then we're really not following in Jesus' footsteps. If we truly are his disciples, his followers, if we truly are going to pattern our lives after his, there ought to be some evidence of that in the way we live now. We should be different as followers of Jesus than we would be if we weren't. And that's kind of my question to you. Uh, and you don't have to answer this one out loud. But how is your life different because you follow Jesus? What do you do as someone who is sent? to show to the people around you that you have patterned your life after his. Because let me tell you, if you're sitting in the car twisting the steering wheel because somebody cut you off and you let that make you angry and bitter and then you carry that with you when you get home or wherever else you're going, then we're really not living as followers of Jesus, are we? Because what did his life look like? Grace, mercy, generosity, kindness, gentleness, compassion. You know, he told his disciples, if they don't reject you, shake the dust off your feet at them. I think we're all on board with that part, right? You're going to be mean to me? Fine, I'll turn my back on you. I don't need to have anything to do with you. But then he says, but say to them, Exactly what you would say to those who receive you. The kingdom of God has come near to you. We, as followers of Jesus who are sent into the world to bear that message, we have a choice to make every day. Usually several times throughout the day. Am I going to let this situation, am I going to let... Uh, this thing that happened, am I going to let this person turn me into a sheep in wolf's clothing? Or am I going to show them the Lamb of God? If I'm going to proclaim uh, resurrection and salvation in my own life, this transformation of my life in, uh, in, in the world to come, are they going to see the evidence of that transformation now? Because that's really the purpose of being apostles to take our share in the work of the Holy Spirit's transformation of the world into the kingdom of God. Not as something that we look forward to in the future after we die, but as a present reality that we live in now. And that transformation of the world that we look forward to, it begins with us if we choose to allow it to happen.